Hello, friends, and welcome to But I Digest. My name is Hans Rufert. And my name is Steve McDonough. I uh, I should say my name is HJR. There's going to be a lot of acronyms today in today's uh, in today's episodes. I'm going to be doing a PSA. We're going to be talking about PSLs. I'm going to be talking about the GCF. Um, so a lot of, a lot of uh, random acronyms going to be floating around. But if yeah. it's your first time joining us, um, welcome. If it's not your first time joining us, welcome back uh, on, on the show. Each week, we like to kind of dive into a food or an ingredient and explore its twisty, viney back history. And we scoop out the inner seeds of all of its glorious hoopla. And we, uh, we talk about the heroes of that food. And on today's episode, we are talking about pumpkins. Because Which, it's, uh, it's uh, late October right now for us. Yeah, in fact, uh, I think um, when you'll be listening to this, it's going to be, I mean, we're right at the cusp. Like pumpkins kind of sit on the fence between Halloween and Thanksgiving. Um, so it's oh relevant. Oh, my God. We've been doing this a year. I completely forgot about your whole Thanksgiving thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> Here we come again. It's been a year. Oh, you're right. I forgot. Now I'm reminded. Oh, now and now I'm self-conscious that I that I put the uh, accent on the wrong syllable. Uh, okay. Well, we don't need to go into it again. Yeah, anyway, we I think you were saying it. something about Halloween. Uh, Halloween. Uh, yes, indeed. So we are um, we're right at the at the border between those two holidays and pumpkins. Uh, they straddle the line between between both of them and they uh, hang out they hang out through christmas in my in my book yeah they do i mean they're, and, they're and honestly, still, um, they're still welcome they're welcome to me anytime i love them as a as an ingredient so on the on the culinary side of things absolutely love pumpkins um and i mean they're they're kind of interchangeable with uh, sweet potatoes with butternut squash and um if you know the right person <laughs> like seriously yeah, you're right if you're right you if you've got a friend whose mother and grandmother used to make sweet potato pies those are the ones you want. If you've got like a random white guy realtor friend, he's going to make you a crap sweet potato pie. You know no, you're right. You're right. You no, and, somebody's uh, had it in their family for generations. And those it, are change, life change, not life changing, but mind changing about what they are. And, and also same with pumpkin though, too, because pumpkin pies can be really watery. If somebody wants to be all uh, purist and may, roast their own pumpkins. And if they're not doing it right, you can get a very watery kind of soupy pumpkin no, you pie. No, don't, you don't roast your own pumpkins. You know, I mean, the canned pumpkin no. is yeah. too convenient and really quality. The roasting your own pumpkins is going too far. Well, let's talk about, before we go too much further, let's talk about pumpkin pie. Because yeah, yeah. what, because I, I have thoughts about okay. pumpkin pie right what what is like your favorite type of pumpkin pie oh i'm i i love good old basic i like a i like kind of a nutty crust like sometimes they'll do like a, a flaxseed or a pecan flaxseed crust like i, I like nuts and and uh, and pumpkin yeah. together so but as far mm. as the actual filling i'm i'm a pretty purist i don't uh, i don't need a cheesecake anything i like just a good dense pumpkin pie i agree i agree because you know uh at Hardy Boys, we do a gourmet takeaway every year where we people come and they pick up their Thanksgiving dinners. So we do tons of different sides and pies and the bird and everything. So what that means is that Thanksgiving for us is the easiest holiday to entertain because we just order from ourselves. And Gail Gand will come and we'll often have some other friends too. And we count, uh, we usually average about 20, 21 sides and uh, wow. dishes all together. Now, my point is, though, that Gail will always bring dessert and ask what we want. And we know each other really well at this point. And she knows that for me, I want a regular pumpkin yep. pie because Dan will do like, you know, maple bourbon, pumpkin pie. And I don't want any of that. Yep. Yep. I want regular pumpkin pie. 
And what do you top it with? Because this is this is the deal breaker for me. What do you top it with? Well, I mean, <clears throat> I typically here it's just a little bit of whipped cream on the backside. I mean, some people do the marshmallow thing, but I, just a little little cream. Um, so yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know that it needs anything. What do you oh, put it on does. there? Ready whip all day. Oh, ready whip. Gotcha, gotcha. I don't want. And again, Dan would be like, I'm making some, you know. <laughs> butternut squash creme fraiche for the top of this. And I'm like, give me a can of Ready Whip. Yep. Let me cover the pie, like hide and seek <laughs> with this pie. Oh, that's that's my dessert. It doesn't matter what fancy things are made. I want a piece of regular pumpkin pie with some Ready Whip. Well, a lot of Ready Whip. And then for breakfast. Ah! Oh, yeah. It's good stuff. I mean, it, it, you can't go wrong with a pumpkin pie. I have to share. So my daughter, Ella. Oh, you can the, go wrong. I just told you about that. I'm saying you can't go wrong yes. with a classic pumpkin pie no, is right. what I meant to say. So Ella is in Hamburg right now. And so Ella had this idea that she was going to go out and get a can of, uh, of pumpkin, like pumpkin puree, and yeah. was going to make this pasta dish with uh, kind of that as the base of the sauce. You cannot find canned pumpkin in Germany. Uh, yeah. and, and apparently they were like so offended, like, why would you put a pumpkin in a can? Like, what is the point of the What yeah. madness is this? Uh, she went to health food stores. She even went to a market that's known for having American foods. Uh, no canned pumpkin in Germany. So for our German listeners, um, you, you know, get your own damn pumpkin. That's what, what she had to do. She ended up having to buy and roast her own pumpkin for her thing there. So, yeah. So we're already way off. Uh, we are already digressing as we as we are prone to do. So let's jump uh, backwards and uh, talk about pumpkins as a plant, because damn it, I cannot have an episode where I don't mention some sort of Latin name, even if I have to make it up. So pumpkins are cucurbits, and I love the word cucurbit. Uh, Me sounds, too. It's my new favorite. Yeah, yeah cucurbit. I'm going to name a pet a cucurbit one day. But uh, And cucurbits <gasps> are essentially um, in the Latin family cucur cucurbitaceae, uh, but they are essentially the things, the melons, the cucumbers, the gourds, the squashes, the pumpkins, and loofahs, which uh, I grew loofahs a couple of years ago. I think a lot of people think that loofahs are actually a sponge, but they are really just this long gourd uh, that when it dries, the little kind of skeleton that's left behind is the thing that you scrub up with. Um, so all this big family uh, and the the Latin name, particularly for the field pumpkin, the common field pumpkin that we think of as a, as a pumpkin here in the States is cucurbita pepo. And botanically speaking, a pumpkin is a berry, uh, which is kind of cool get out yeah it's a berry so uh buried by definition botanically is really a, just a fleshy fruit that contains many seeds and develops from a single ovary from a single flower okay uh, which makes me think next time you go to like smoothie king you should just kind of blow the the uh, smoothie jockey's mind and say I'm a mixed berry smoothie throw some pumpkin in there as you know as you're throwing all of the berries in there yeah you should, um, you should, you should totally do that i want to yes. i want to watch that <laughs> That happened in slow motion. Yes, I will blow their minds. Um, oh, his little smoothie king mind. <laughs> so um, that's so sad. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so, well, bananas are technically a berry too, just uh, FYI. So, yeah, botanically speaking. So, um, now pumpkins grow on a long annual vine, and they really they grow quite long. In fact, we had uh, I have pet chickens, and we sometimes feed them the you know the guts from the pumpkins, yeah. and nothing makes a pumpkin sprout successfully like going through a chicken <laughs> so we had uh, <laughs> we had some sort of independently uh, sprouting pumpkins come up in the garden a couple of years ago and they took over the entire garden we even had one vine that went over our old greenhouse and we had we had giant like 20 pound pumpkins on the roof of the greenhouse so oh. uh very easy to grow if you are a gardener you should 
definitely do. It's very rewarding. Um, and they are uh, originally from South America, as, as far as what we now know of as the pumpkin. And like a lot of fruits, it started out as something kind of compared to what we have today. It was very small and kind of baseball sized and rock hard. Uh, it was edible. In fact, the entire plant of the pumpkin is edible. You can eat the vines, you can eat the stems, you can eat the seeds, you can eat the flowers. Um, and you'll see sometimes on menus, uh, you've, of course, stuffed squash blossoms, but stuffed pumpkin blossoms are even bigger. Uh, and they're beautiful. You know, it's a, it's yeah. a great, uh, great thing. Um, you could even stuff the uh, pumpkin puree with the stuffing inside the blossom. It's a, it's a gorgeous thing. So, like, again, many plants we have successfully uh, hybridized, cultivated over the years, um, what is now today what we call the pumpkins. And now, the giant cucurbit family, though, exists back when the world was one giant continent of Pangaea and it started breaking off into continents. The What we think of as squashes and pumpkins developed in the Americas and the melons and cucumbers and things kind of developed more in Africa and Asia. So they're first cousins and you can even interbreed them, but they developed in different different parts of the world. Uh, so the uh, the oldest seeds that we've found of, of pumpkins were excavated in the Oaxacan highlands of Mexico, and they date from around ten to 8,000 years ago, uh, which is 4,000 years earlier than corn and beans were domesticated. So by the times uh, that the Europeans arrived in North America, native tribes across the entire North, Amer North Central, and South America were cultivating uh, various squashes and pumpkins. And really, they didn't really see a distinction between squashes and pumpkins. They used them interchangeably. You see them in lore interchangeably. The only difference really was shape and density and flavor, but it, it's all basically squash. When it that comes. makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and and like, like we mentioned, sometimes very easily you can interchange a butternut squash or a, or a pumpkin right. or an acorn squash. There's, there's nuances, but for the most part, they're, uh, they're first cousins, um, as we say here in the South. So the uh, squash kind of had special status, though, among, uh, among the natives. And according to the Iroquois, there was a great spirit that created squash and her sister's corn and beans at the beginning of time to provide food to sustain humanity. So there was this great trifecta of squash and corn and beans, which, by the way, are fantastic together. Um, it's a great uh, trio. So early French explorer Nicolas Perrault uh, noted of the Iroquois in the 1700s that, quote, if they are without these things, meaning squash, corn and beans. Yeah. They think they are fasting, no matter what abundance of meat and fish they have in their stores. So in other words, if we ain't eating squash, beans, and corn, we ain't eating. Right. So, uh, to put a little southern vernacular on it there. That's how I used to feel about mashed potatoes until I married an Italian. <laughs> and now I'm like, where's the mashed where's potatoes? Where's the mashed potatoes? And, yeah, yeah. I, I thought I was fasting yeah. for quite That's a while. True. Poor you. I'm sorry. The, the things you must suffer being married to an Italian chef. I know it's, I know it's hard some days. Um, uh, anyway, um, while squash, the, the word squash is a derivation of the Algonquin word, as, I don't know how to pronounce this, ascuta oh, squash. Ascuta squash. Ascuta squash, yeah. A-S-K-U-T-A squash. Ascuta squash. Ascuta squash. Ascuta squash. The name pumpkin itself is a derivation of the French word pompon, yes. which comes from the Latin pepo, which means to ripen. Uh, so it's uh, that's where the, the round 
thing. Round squash, we know as pumpkin gets its its name. Uh, so before Europeans encountered American varieties of pumpkins and squashes, a pompignon or pompion uh, connoted a, basically a large fruit or a melon. So any large melon was called a pompion. So this was kind of, they just put that name on this large round squash. Now, we always think of the pilgrims eating pumpkins at, uh, at the, you know, the, the that sort of stereotypical, right. you know, meeting of the Thanksgiving where everybody yeah. was happy and pals. Yeah, exactly. Which yeah. may or may not have happened. Um, right. We won't go in too deep into that. But um, the reality is there's they really no record. too happy. I mean, there wasn't any ready whip. That That is true. There was no ready whip on hand. So uh, or squeeze cheese for that matter. Um, so there's no actual record of pumpkin being served at that feast, but it's pretty safe to assume that there were because they ate it all day, every day, the natives of, of that area. It was it was inexpensive. It grew like a weed, as I mentioned. It lasts forever. I mean, it really does as a as a as a produce. Yeah. It holds forever as long as it's not exposed to uh, to frost. Um, you can do so many things with it. And the, the kind of cool thing was um, early colonial Americans um, incorporated into their daily fare and and not only ate it like we do today, just sort of roasted or baked, uh, but if they didn't have apples, they made pies. If they didn't have barley, they made pumpkin beer. If they didn't have meat, they made a vegetarian stew using using pumpkin, which uh, which I'm going to do for our recipe today. Um, so they basically could substitute pumpkin into almost any recipe. Um, so. Uh, again, as a foodstuff, very versatile, very easy to use, and and also nutritious. Uh, you mentioned sweet potatoes earlier. Sweet potatoes have three times the calories, um, but not as much nutrition. Whereas pumpkins and squashes are uh, are high in uh, magnesium and they're high in folate, uh, and they're as a as a human food, it's much better food than um, it doesn't spike your glycemic index. It's higher in fiber, so nutritionally, pumpkins are better for you, and squashes are than uh, than sweet potatoes. Yeah, well, of course, if you're if you're taking a sweet potato, it's going to be higher in calories because it's sweet. Yeah. And if you just roast it, it's going to be delicious. That's right. Whereas if you just roast plain pumpkin, it's not going to be delicious. Well, but and... again, as a as a sort of neutral platform, you can make it sweet, you can make it savory, you can you can make yeah. it into beer, apparently. So I've never had pumpkin yeah. beer. I've heard that pumpkin spiced beer, but we'll get into uh, we'll get into that later. Um, now, so as I mentioned before, every part of the pumpkin is edible, the leaves, the skin, the pulp, the flowers, but one of my favorite things about pretzels are the seeds. And uh, really, like I said, all pumpkin seeds are technically edible, but some of them, if you've ever roasted pumpkin seeds yourself. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Some of them are awesome and some of them are chewy as hell, right? They they have this sort of turtle shell on the outside that you can roast them for days. And again, the flavor's there, but you're just, it's just chewy, chewy, chewy. So the Mexicans do it well when well, you get yeah. those spiced pepitas. No, of course. And and but it's the variety of pumpkin that they are after. So there are certain pumpkins that are considered naked seed varieties. So they basically have a very thin or virtually non-existent outer shell, which makes them perfect for roasting. So the um calabaza, which is the kind of Mexican squash that they grow, is is great. And on both levels, it's great flesh, you know, the actual, uh, you know, pumpkin meat of it, but also the the seeds, you roast them once and boom, they're good to go. You don't have to worry about deshelling them. They're ready to eat yeah. as is. Um, and they, uh, they're they perfect on a, on a snack or, you know, on a salad in, in place of croutons um, or studded onto a German pumpkin seed uh, pretzel, as we mentioned on one of our previous episodes, which is really, if you ever have a chance, a pumpkin seed studded pretzel is phenomenal. I still can't speak to the uh, chocolate covered variety. Mm -hmm. um, 
But I mentioned pumpkin seeds mainly to have an excuse. Well, sorry, I, I don't think that I told you because we talked so much about the chocolate-covered pretzels. Yeah. Uh, one of our, our listeners, friend Donna uh, Stevenson, gifted me a big bag of chocolate-covered oh. pretzels. She just silently handed them over, and you weren't able to have any because you were in Georgia. Yeah. And, you know, I when I taste them, I will tell you, it's which is a lie because you know I finished them, immediately, <laughs> immediately. So good. No, so they happy. do sound good. They do sound good. I'll have to make that. Uh, I make that a priority. So, um, but I, I bring up pumpkin seeds really to have the excuse to talk about pumpkin seed oil. So, if you've not had pumpkin seed oil, order some. Go to your specialty market. It is so fantastic. It's dark. It's earthy. It's nutty. And really, it's one of my sort of go-to secret weapons. You know, you, we all have sort of our culinary tricks that people are like, "Oh, wow." And it's kind of expensive, but you aren't using it as a utilitarian oil. It's not like your your olive oil or your canola oil. You're not frying in it. You're using it as a finishing oil to drizzle, to kind of drizzle over the top of a salad or roast a right. cauliflower or a little little uh, little you know heart on the top of a pumpkin corn chowder. Um, do yourself a favor, find some roasted pumpkin seed oil. And the Austrians, not Australians, the Austrians are famous for that, which to me is wild that this this squash came from uh, Central and South America and it's made its way all the way over to the Austrian Alps. But the Austrians have figured out how to do a toasted pumpkin seed oil that is really phenomenal. And it might be $20 for a small little thing, but um, I, I promise you, if you get one takeaway from this show from my ramblings, Go get some toasted pumpkin seed oil. It is fantastic. It's uh, funny because it, it is such an American uh, uh, vegetable, you know, the the pumpkin. When I had my, uh, you know, all of my relatives are from England. And when my Aunt Joy was here years ago, uh, it was around this time of year. And we went to some farmer's market. And she was like, what is that? Like, they're pumpkins. She goes, but they're small. And there's white ones. And what's right. this knobby green one? And what's this... <laughs> And she was pointing at them all, and she's like, I've never seen, what are they? So I'm like, they're all the different types of American pumpkins. And so my Aunt Joy, my lovely, lovely Aunt Joy, smuggled the seeds back wow. to England, nice. which you're not allowed to do. My she kind of lady. all these pumpkins, emptied them out, wrapped all the seeds up, hid them, you know, in her, in her suitcase, like in her underwear and her socks, brought them back to Poole, Dorset, down in the, the southern part of England, and Every year since, she has she has a big farm. She sells pumpkins on the side of the road. And I just uh, emailed her and my cousin yesterday. I'm like, how is Joy's pumpkin season? And they sent me some pictures and I will uh, I'll post them on Facebook of all. The, uh, it's crazy. Like I had no idea what kind of like a pumpkin mobster my Aunt Joy <laughs> has become. There, you should I love see it. Just crates, just wheelbarrows and wheelbarrows of all of these smuggled American pumpkins that she has uh, introduced to the southern part of England. It's my favorite. No, that that is great. And that speaks to the fact that, you know, pumpkins really are grown now on every continent except for Antarctica because they are so they're easy to grow. They I mean, they, they need about 100 days of, of a growing season to be able to finish. So even in in sunny old England, they can uh, they can do well. And again, I uh, as a man who may or may not have accidentally brought back a few plants from uh, from my travels, I have mad respect for your aunt for bringing back right. some uh, some pumpkin seeds. So. She's gangsta, yo. I love it. I love it. That's that totally is awesome. So um, now you know I want to talk about a few pumpkin facts. I just mentioned, of course, they're grown in every continent. Uh, in 2021, production of the pumpkin in the U.S. was more than 1.5 billion 
with a B, not Villian with a V, right. uh, <laughs> uh, pounds annually. Uh, and so one again, 1.5 billion pounds uh, generated over $100 billion uh, to the U.S. economy. And the top producing states are Illinois, where you are. Um, yeah. Exactly. You're number one. Uh, Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and California. Now, we love a good um, anybody who claims to be the whatever of the world. Uh, and right. it's got to be Illinois. So a little town called Morton, Illinois, uh, is deemed itself the pumpkin capital of the world. Now, I say little town. Do you know Morton? Is it? A, I have no idea. Is it? A, I, I yeah? don't. I don't yeah. know it. Well, then it must be a little town. If, if uh, Steve McDonough hasn't been there, it has to be. I don't know squash about Morton. <laughs> <laughs> oh god that's great um so um so now according to the university of illinois 95 percent of the pumpkins grown in the u.s are harvested in in illinois soil and then morton is allegedly responsible for 80 percent of the world's canned pumpkin production really yeah so uh kudos there to illinois but as per usual uh, we in the States tend to have a very myopic view of the world because we think yes. we are the the capital of the yep. bratwurst and capital of beer and now capital of pumpkins. Uh, we are actually uh, ranked eighth in the world uh, in terms of pumpkin production. Is this because uh, of Joy? Is this because of what Joy did? Yeah, to exactly. Yep, like, she, now they're, the they're suddenly number two. Yeah, strangely, the UK is number one. No, no, no. no. <laughs> the UK is not number one. Not on the list. She's sitting on all that mad pumpkin money. <laughs> I'm telling you. Gangsta, like you said. So, no, China. Uh, is um, is the the number really? one? Really? So listen, I don't know. Just, these Chinese pumpkins. I'm telling you, made in China. China. Uh, <laughs> so they grow 8.4 million metric tons. Uh, compared to our pithy 610,000 metric tons. So uh, yeah. the uh, in ranking, now th these are from uh, 2020, so there's a bit of a conflict going on between Russia and Ukraine you might have heard of, but uh, in 2020, it was China, India, Ukraine, Russia, Spain, Mexico, Bangladesh, and then the U.S. Really? Uh, yeah, so Bangladesh has got us beat as far as... Uh, I'm, okay, I'm voting for whoever's going to bring... Uh, make America pumpkinier again. <laughs> no, I'm I'm with you, and I think maybe your aunt can come over and uh, and kind of help spearhead that move. Bring some seeds back from the UK. Uh, wouldn't that be cool? That so we may be we may not be good at you know here with uh, being the number one pumpkin country, but here, like specifically where I am, we have a world record. A jack o' lantern festival. Oh, did wow. I ever tell you about the pumpkin festival here? No, you've never okay. invited me. Oh, that's true. Well, you'd embarrass <laughs> me at the pumpkin festival. <laughs> I would going around with your Saska Squatch and all, yeah, and all, all of my seedy humor. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm in Highland Park in the town right next to us, which is you know, like literally just you know, a block away. It's called Highwood, and that's where we usually go. We we probably went there for dinner. That's that's the place that's got all the great restaurants. Anyway. Highwood closes down their streets uh, every early October, it's usually every Columbus Day weekend, for the annual Pumpkin Fest. The streets are closed off. There's food and live bands and beer, cocktails, like the, I think uh, uh, Tito's brings in this really fun uh, mobile, um, uh, you know, gosh, one of those, you know, those, those little pop-up mobile house things. What, what the hell is the word I'm looking for? I mean, is, is, it, is it a booth? Like, like, an a... Air, like an Airstream. Oh, I gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Like an Airstream is the word I'm looking for. And, you know, they, they are doing Tito's cocktails out of it. It's really fun. It's clever. And there they have scaffolding lining the streets. It goes, you know, way up above your head, lined with thousands of carved pumpkins. Now, when I say thousands, I'm talking 
20 to 30,000 individually carved pumpkins. Now you pay a fee for the festival. It's like five bucks or something, right? But when you walk in, there are just massive crates, like really huge crates filled with pumpkins, a couple of them at each at each entrance, along with folding eight foot tables and all the pumpkin carving equipment. You walk in, you grab as many pumpkins as you want, you carve them up, they take them, they light them and they put them on the scaffolding. And at night, once it's all lit, it is like, uh, just like a, a, like the streets are made of pumpkins. It's amazing. It really is. Um, it, it, it's truly remarkable. So it, um, it started out when our alderman, a guy named Eric Falberg, he was from uh, a town in New England called Keene, and they do a really big pumpkin festival. And he thought, oh, we should do it here. So in 2011, our pumpkin fest had an official tally of 30,919 wow. carved lit pumpkins. And that's why I've always heard that we had the Guinness World Record. Well, I'm doing all my research as we do with this, uh, with this podcast, right? And I see something on Wikipedia, I think, that said that we actually don't, we lost it because we broke the rules. Mm. I was like, well, what, what does that mean? And it said that the most lit jack-o'-lanterns for Guinness was set in 2018 with 30,581, which is nearly 400 less than us. So I'm ticked off now because I've been boasting about this. So I called the event promoter, really nice lady named Elise Strong, and she calls me back from Ripple Public uh, Relations. And she says that we do hold the world record. I mean, it's listed with the World Record Academy, but not the Guinness Book, because what we didn't do is we did have the most, but we didn't have the adjudicator. Ah. I was like, oh, we don't have the adjudicator. So I really, I really just, I feel, I feel really cheated. Yeah, we need to do it. We need to do over. Let's, let's, uh, let's organize a do over. They are going to do it though, because this year they're going back to reach out to the Guinness World Records. And this is me giving you the scoop because I only got this from Elise yesterday. This nice. isn't known yet, people. This breaking news. You, you and us know breaking news. We're going to go back to the Guinness World Record this year for doing the most lit with real candles, because a lot of these places that other festivals, they'll end up lighting them with, uh, with lights, which is what you have to do, because hello, Chicago, Windy City, you know, this is three stories of pumpkins. How are you going to keep them all lit with regular candles? And then the thousands and thousands of pumpkins, you wonder what happens to them. Well, they drive them over to Northern Illinois where they're fed to uh, pigs and they're fed to cows. And that children is how we make pumpkin lattes. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) So uh, other great festivals in the States, the great Jack-O-Lantern Blaze has about 7,000 hand-carved pumpkins in the um, historic Hudson Valley area, you know, where Sleepy Hollow is, Mm. perfect place to do this. They do this big light show where they make structures from the lit jack-o'-lanterns, like like a dragon weaving in and out of the ground, but the dragon is made up of hundreds of intricate, I know, hundreds of lit, intricately, (laughs) hundreds of really (laughs) intricately, 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 hundreds of intricately lit carved pumpkins. So each one is made of, oh, I'm abandoning that story. (laughs) Anyway, let's talk about the history of jack-o'-lanterns. Oh my goodness. So jack-o'-lanterns, I think that we tend to mush that word up together as a jack-o'-lantern. You know, that's what we sure. That's what we say, right? But the real word refers to a ghostly figure uh, named Stingy Jack, 
who wanders the earth with a lantern and he's known as jack of the lantern jack got it lantern have you do you know the story of Stingy i don't Jack? i don't so this brings us back to the celtic festival of swain do you remember when we talked about this it's oh yeah Sam Hain, right? This one on the Cabbage episode, I was talking about the movie In America, and I may have sang a song about you. I, you did, you did. So to remind you, so Wayne is the original inspiration for our Halloween. Uh, started in Ireland, celebrated on November first, and on Sawain Eve, which is October thirty first, that's when the spirits of the dead are thought to mingle with the living. That's where we got it from. Now, to ward off the restless spirits, people would dress in masks and costumes, and they would carve faces into root vegetables, such as, you know the answer to this, Hans? Uh, turnips, right? Turnips. Yep. So the original ones were turnips because uh, before Aunt Joy, they didn't have the pumpkins there. So the term jack-o'-lantern comes from this 18th century Irish folktale about Stingy Jack. So there's this local asshole named Stingy Jack, and he's just a rotten character. And one day he's wandering around the road and he finds an old man on the side of the road and he stops to help him, which is really unusual because Stingy Jack is an asshole. <laughs> so it turns out it's his lucky day because the old man that he was helping turns out to be an angel in disguise. And the angel, who is not a genie, but an angel, grants Jack three wishes. Oh, where did didn't that come from? Yeah, I didn't. I've never read that uh, that passage. But right hey. again, not an angel. Who knew? Uh, not, you know, an angel, not a genie. Yeah, yeah. So now, what were Stingy Jack's three wishes? Number one: anyone who sits in my chair will be stuck to the spot. Oh, all right. That, all right. that seems counter. Good. That seems counterproductive because if you want your chair for yourself, now well, he, you've got a person stuck in it. Well, now he just he's just an asshole. Number <laughs> two: anyone who takes a branch from his sycamore tree will be stuck to the spot. Wow. Number three, anyone who borrows my tools will be stuck to the spot. Those were his three <laughs> wishes. So the angel is like, all right, um, okay, but I'm going to make a mental note of this because if this asshole dies and knocks on the gate of heaven, he is not on my guest list. Yeah. So then Stingy Jack somehow invites the devil to have a drink with him because he's well-connected. And true to his name, Stingy Jack doesn't want to pay for his drink. So he tricks the devil into turning himself into a coin that Jack could use to buy the drinks. So as soon as the devil turns himself into a coin, Jack decides he's going to keep the money, puts it into his pocket, which is next to a silver cross. And then the devil can't get out and he can't change back into his original satanic form. So now the devil's all like, well, all right, but I'm going to make a mental note of this. <laughs> so Jack makes another deal with the devil and he says, I'll let you out under one condition. That is that you won't bother me for one year. And that if I die, you will not claim my soul. So a year passes, Jack is still alive. He's hanging out with the devil again for some reason. And this time, Stingy Jack tricks the devil into climbing a tree to pick a piece of fruit. So while he's up in the tree, Jack carves a sign of the cross into the tree bark so the devil can't come down. So he makes another deal with the devil that he'll let him down under one condition, and that's that you won't bother me for 10 more years. And the devil's like, well, all right, but I'm gonna make a mental note of this. So Jack dies. He goes to heaven and God's like, you know, I spoke to this angel genie and he says you're an asshole. So you're not coming in. And the devil is still so pissed off that he won't let Jack into hell. So the devil at least has a little pity on him. He pulls a burning coal out of hell and he hands it to Jack so that Jack can at least see something as he spends eternity in endless darkness, wandering between heaven and hell. And he takes the coal and he puts it into a carved out turnip creating the lantern and that wow. is where jack of the lantern jack-o-lantern wow 
Well, it's it's good that they didn't, uh, you know, you kept mentioning that he was an asshole. It's good that we didn't become an asshole-lander because, uh, you know, <laughs> that could could have easily been. Uh, It'd be uh, easier to carve, though. Just one oh, asshole-lander, yeah. I've seen some pumpkins that look like they're already well-suited. They got a nice crease kind of running right top <laughs> to bottom there. Your pumpkin looks like ass. <laughs> so do you know what Ignis Fatus is or Ignis Fatus? This no. is so Will-o'-the-Wisp. Oh, I remember Will of the Wisp, right. Uh, it's so totally up your alley. Yeah, yeah. Ignis Fatus, it's a natural phenomenon that occurs in marshlands and peat bogs. So like the types that are in Ireland's countryside. So there's eerily flick flickering lights that float over the bogs. And it's entirely natural. It turns out it's just caused by the combustion of the gases that are released from the decomposing organic right. matter. They call it fool's fire, fairy lights, Will of the Wisp. And Jack O'Lantern, because people thought maybe it was Jack of the Lantern lost uh. and wandering through the marsh. But it's kind of dangerous because they seem like a floating flame that is moving away from travelers. So if you're trying to follow this light in the dark, you could sink into a sure. sinkhole or Go a bog, bog and yeah. you can drown. So in Ireland and Scotland, people were making their own versions of these lanterns by carving the scary faces into turnips or potatoes, placing them in windows or near doors, frighten people away. In England, they were using large beets. And when those immigrants came to the United States, they brought the jack-o'-lantern tradition with them, but then suddenly found that, holy cow, these pumpkins perfect. make perfect jack-o'-lanterns. Yeah, perfect. They're hollow. Yeah, right? I mean, they are perfect. Oh, oh, so what I'm saying is that we weren't carving pumpkins, jack-o'-lanterns, right. until... They got here in the you know uh, mid 1880s, late 1880s, late 1880s. But then I read that uh, Washington Irving wrote the uh, Legend of Sleepy Hollow with the Headless Horseman. Sure. Now you know at the end when the Headless Horseman is chasing down Ichabod Crane and he takes off his jack o' lantern and throws it at Ichabod Crane. Well, in the story, it isn't a jack o' lantern; it's just an uncarved head-sized pumpkin. Huh. Because they didn't have jack-o'-lanterns when oh, it was written. Oh, wow. So everything we think about it is now just like Disney cartoons and Gosh, stuff. Gosh, it's been and reverse engineered. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he threw that so that Ichabod Crane would think he was throwing a head, not a pumpkin. Got but it. Now it's, now it's taken off this whole new thing that he's got a flaming jack-o'-lantern, wow. which is scary. Cool. And that's you know when we really started our U.S. version of Halloween, because those early U.S. Halloweens, they were more like prank nights right. than candy begging. And again, it was because the Irish immigrants, the pranks and mischief, like tipping over outhouses and unhinging like fence gates or throwing flour in the face of people uh -huh. when they answered their door and yelling, I hate you, Mr. Braukoff, <laughs> like in today's installment of oh, Stop no. Striker. Oh, no, you just threw flour into my face with that one. I didn't see that coming. I hate you, Mr. Braukoff. <laughs> All right. This 1944 movie starring Judy Garland is widely considered a Christmas movie, but it actually spends more time on Halloween. It's 1903 and Agnes and Tootie, they're dressed as ghosts. She's a horrible ghost and I'm a terrible drunken ghost. The neighborhood kids are out causing mischief in the streets. They're setting bonfires, they're ringing doorbells, throwing flour at the residents when they answer. And the name of this Judy Garland musical is? I, I think me not knowing 
a Judy Garland musical pretty much like cements the fact that I'm a straight guy. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a Judy Garland uh, musical of, of any kind. So of any, have you seen Wizard of Oz? Oh, you're right. So that's a, you're right. That is a musical. That's Judy Garland. That's true. That maybe is true. Maybe you might want to guess Wizard of Oz. Oh, was it Wizard of Oz? No, it's no. not Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> Because I didn't see that part of the movie. All right. If you people know what Judy Garland Christmassy movie is really more of a Halloween movie, come to our Facebook page. Give us the answer and I will give you a like. Come to our Facebook page. Our last stumper was a Broadway musical that became the first talkie. It starred Al Jolson in the leading role when he sang Mammy in Blackface. And the title of that was The Jazz Singer. The jazz, and we had people yeah. uh, chime in on uh, on our social media with that, and uh, yeah. and, and clued me in because I I would not have you, known. You should know that the first talkie was the jazz. Singing. I should. It's the first talkie. Yeah, I should. All right. Yeah. So I Go don't ahead. have a good transition. Are you ready for a really bad transition? Oh, let's do it. Love a good uh, awkward. awkward segue. I love it. It is an awkward segue. It's a. This is your quiz. It's a very very simple quiz this week. What's that? Which of the Spice Girls made the least amount of money? Oh, wow. Uh, I don't even know that I know all the Spice Girls. There's, um, I don't even know what, there's Jazzy? No, I, I can't remember all the Spice Girls. Um, but I'm going to guess the one that was ended up marrying Beckham. Okay. Posh Spice. Posh Spice. Okay, so that's who she was. Gotcha. No. Who, which of the Spice Girls made the least amount of money? Pumpkin Spice. Oh. <laughs> because she only worked part-time. She only worked late August through November. It's not a bad gig, though. I mean, if you can make it work, you know, you got a couple months and then you got 10 months off. So why not? <laughs> you can all just take a moment in your cars to enjoy, enjoy that joke that I that literally was made up. I made that, that was good. myself. She works part-time. So we, but man, the, uh, speaking of which I have a cold, uh, I have a cold coffee. We'll get there or you want to go, you want to get, well, I'll get there in a sec. Okay. Oh, that's right. All right. All right. We have it. We have a fun, we have a fun test coming up. Okay. So pumpkin spice, that's what we're going to talk about now. Good. That's where that transition was going. So we used to use phrases like, you know, when, you know, on cooking shows, all those spices you want, you know, pumpkin pie, the cinnamon and the ginger and the nutmeg and the yeah. cloves. But now it's just like, we're going to use pumpkin spice because it's, you know, a pre-batched blend. So the origin of pumpkin spice dates back to the Dutch East India Company, which I believe we talked about oh, in have. our nutmeg yep. episode, established in 1602. So most spices in today's blend, as I said, the cinnamon, the ginger, nutmeg, cloves, those are native to Southeast Asian islands or the Spice Islands, and their location was a closely guarded secret. But once the Dutch took control of the Spice Islands, the islands became integral to the success and the spread of those spices. And the Dutch created their own blends, such as Speculaaskruiden. Hmm. So it's similar to pumpkin spice, but it has cardamom and sometimes white pepper. But this is the kind of research I, I love because I'm, when I see that speculas cruidin, I'm like, oh, there's, I can connect the dots here. There's the word speculas. Right, which is like a cookie, isn't it? I've seen- It's a cookie with right. all of those spices yeah, on yeah. it. And you're like, oh, yep. isn't it? It's like, there's that cookie. And now I yep. know what that means. I thought that was really interesting. That is cool. And the, the speculas, by the way, it's also an interesting story that we're not going to get into, but that was created in uh, 1650. Those wow. Cookies. Yeah. Um, and the first known cookbook to be written by an American in 1796 was called American Cookery by a woman named Amelia Simmons. And that book included a pumpkin pie recipe. 
And her blend uh, contained mace, nutmeg, which are both parts of the nutmeg as we discussed, and ginger. But it really all came together in 1934 when McCormick Spices introduced pumpkin pie spice as its first pre-blended spice mix of pumpkin pie spice. Now, this is interesting. Why did they do that? They did it in direct response to something you mentioned of Libby, Libby's canned food. They invented canned pureed pumpkin just a couple of years earlier in 1929. And so McCormick is like, oh, then we should invent the pre-blended spice mix and boom, America has easy pumpkin pie. Nice. And now, you know, so originally the pumpkin pie spice was an ingredient for pumpkin pie, but it no longer is. Now it's just an ingredient for fall Instagram. Yeah, accounts. everything. And according to Food and Wine, we can place the blame for pumpkin spice at the feet of Starbucks. Wow. Didn't know this either. No, me either. Starbucks and their pumpkin spice latte. What do the kids call it? PSL. PSL. I could not... I thought- I couldn't bring myself to do it. I told myself I was going to walk in with my head held high and I was going to order a PSL and I crumbled. I couldn't do it. I, I thought did. it stood for post-traumatic Starbucks latte. <laughs> it might. It might. We're not there yet. So here's the thing. You and I have never had a pumpkin spice latte. Correct. Uh, I, I kind of pride myself on going to Starbucks and not playing their name game. I'll order like a medium coffee. (laughs) And then I stand there all smug as they just pour me my coffee and I get to walk away while other people are waiting for their, I mean, Starbucks is really just hot milkshakes. Yeah, it is. Or sometimes cold milkshakes, very loud, cold milkshakes. Yeah, absolutely. Expensive, loud milkshakes. Yeah. Right. So we decided we're going to try the pumpkin spice latte for the, for the first time you and I. Yes, indeed. So, yeah, I have mine. It might be a little tepid uh, at this point. Uh, And just, hey, in full disclosure, you cannot order an unsweetened version of this because the spice is in with the sweetener. So if I go in... It's a syrup. It's a syrup. Exactly right. So if I go into a uh, hyperglycemic, uh, hyperglycemic episode, you just carry on without me, okay? Just just ignore my lifeless, comatose body, and you just wrap this thing up without me. (laughs) Well, you pass out, and I'll try to say the word intricately. Yeah, yeah, intricately. uh, Hey, I did that on the first one. Tell us what you think of it. No, it does smell good. So I am typically not a fan of flavored coffees. I love a good coffee. I'm an espresso guy, Uh, but I do love pumpkin pie, and it smells pretty good. Yeah, I'm in my little sound booth, and uh, it does smell good. Yeah, smells good. Um, it's my, weirdly orange. In color or in flavor? What do you mean? In, in, in color. I mean, I expect coffee, but it's orange. Yeah, you're right. It is. And what, what is that think? from? Because none of the spices um, – you didn't mention what well, are the five spices. So in. it's got milk and pumpkin pie – excuse me. It's got milk and pumpkin spice sauce, which is sugar, condensed milk, actual pumpkin puree. Hmm. Uh, and then it's got the espresso, whipped cream, vanilla syrup, which is sugar. Yep. And then pumpkin spice, uh, like actual pumpkin spice with cinnamon, ginger, nutmeg, clove. And allspice, right? I think allspice is the other one that's typically in pumpkin it's pie spice. It's not in this one. Not in this one. No. Got it. Mm. Um, right. You know, what's interesting, I did not know that there was actual pumpkin puree in this. I would have, I would not have guessed that. When they first made it in uh, 2003... They did not. In 2015, I think they started adding it. They've sold more than 424 million PSLs in the U.S. alone since 2003. 
I, um, so not to be a snob, like I said, but typically I would be kind of look down my nose at this. Well, and also my mouth is below my nose. So by default, I think I look down my nose at all coffee. <laughs> uh, just again, but I, this is strangely enjoyable. I, it's a little sweet for me. I'm worried about that. Like if we could have done this with stevia instead of, uh, instead of sugar, I'm not, I'm not hating this. Like I kind of thought that I would. I know my first thought was, damn it, it's delicious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's too sweet for me too so sweet. I can feel it's it in sweet. my teeth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a coffee for me. It's more of a dessert, dessert drink. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's delicious. Yeah. It's very satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it's really creamy, which is nice. If uh, as, as a consumer, the price to um, to uh, satisfaction ratio was a little high. In fact, I think I had like the the old man knee jerk. Oh my god, five sixty what? Because yeah, I got right. the tall, right? I got the smallest. Which, by the way, Steve, tall means small. Um, I, know, I can't. I can't. I know with it. You Starbucks, <laughs> but I got the smallest one again because I knew that there was uh, sugar laden and I didn't want to go uh, crash. Um, but five sixty or whatever is a bit steep, I think, for for a non-alcoholic uh, it's cocktail. It's got pumpkin puree in it. That is true, and and you know the fact that your aunt had to had, had to smuggle the pumpkins all the way to the UK, and they had to come back to the states, and then Starbucks had to just rediscover them. Uh, it's, it's worth it. Um, that's my story: is that your your aunt had did something to do with this pumpkin? <laughs> all right, and so we feel that that it's a win. All right. So, and if it feels to you like there's too much pumpkin spice, everything and pumpkin spice season is getting longer and more invasive, it's because it has. In the past five years, pumpkin spice product sales have increased by nearly 50%. Wow. Just in the past five years. So with 2022, having a 24% increase from last year in grocery items. Now I'm talking about grocery pumpkin spiced foods, not like milk bone pumpkin spice dog treats. Wow. Or the pumpkin spice latte deodorant that Native makes, or toothpaste or toilet paper or poo-pourri. I'm talking about the food products like pumpkin spice Pringles mm. and pumpkin spiced Spam. Yeah, I I can't even imagine. That kind of well, turns me off to my coffee to imagine a cube of Spam in there. Like that, I mean, so now again, those flavors, cinnamon, allspice, cloves, ginger, nutmeg, our friend Anupi. I mean, these are all kind of spices. Now you add a little cumin, a little coriander. These are all the, the kind of heat. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and and warm. I mean, so I love all of these spices. And I even like them in combination in a pumpkin pie. Spam doesn't, it doesn't need to go well, in my armpits. They uh, only, they, they only uh, did that in 2019 was the only limited edition that they had of the pumpkin spice spam. And they released it in September, and it sold out in seven hours. Well, did they make ten cans? <laughs> ten, no. ten cans. Ten, yeah. They made a they they made a ton of it. They sold out in seven hours. Wow. And if I could have gotten my hands on some, I would have because that I would have tasted. Yeah, maybe in the maybe in the right context, uh, I would be I could be convinced. But we missed right. that. Well, speaking of of delicious flavors and spam, why don't we get to talking about some recipes? The only thing that's hotter than the oven is watching you cook. So as I mentioned right off the bat, I am a pumpkin fan. And so anytime we do one of these things that is one of my kind of go-tos, it's hard to narrow down what am I gonna what am I gonna pick for a recipe. There there really are so many good things. And I've I've done, Steve, you might remember on the Food Network, I made that uh, that soup that had the little egg crepes in the soup. 
uh, on one of our first I challenges. I barely remember you even being there. I was there. You know, I was. I remember a, what you made. <laughs> well, anyway, so I, I remember uh, your name. I'm too concerned with myself. <laughs> well, I, I have made um, where I take pumpkin puree and uh, and work it into like a pancake batter and make little crepes for that. And so I've done all sorts of things. It's, it is such a great, versatile uh, ingredient, and I would highly encourage you to try to sneak it into whatever you can sneak it into. It's just a great, uh, great berry slash vegetable slash uh, slash thing. So, um, but the one I picked for today, it's getting cooler here. Uh, like I said, it's the uh, end of October, early November. And we eat a lot of um, vegetarian chili, and I love doing uh, a cassoulet, which, you know, is if you've not had one, it's this sort of French uh, – I would say it's chili adjacent in the sense that it's this kind of warm stew and it's got beans. Um, and so I recently made for a um, for a wellness class, I did a, um, a roasted pumpkin with some cauliflower, some mm. tempeh, butter beans, cannellini beans, uh, a little tomato in there. And I used the Lucky 7 spice that I make, which actually has some of these same ingredients. It's got cinnamon, allspice, ginger, nutmeg, but it also has the cumin and the coriander and a little bit of uh, peppercorn in there. And that with the roasted pumpkin and um, tempeh. Now, if you're not familiar with tempeh, it's a it's a fermented uh, soybean and barley product, super high in protein, easy to digest. So this was a vegan and vegetarian vegan uh, friendly stew. And it's one of those dishes. It's a one pot wonder. You make it in one pot and it'll last you three or four days. It's great over rice. It's great inside of a, a stuffed sweet potato or a baked potato. Um, so again, anytime you can do, especially in the wintertime, a cook once, eat twice or three times meal, uh, that checks all the boxes. So I will share the recipe for this and I even made a little video. So we're going to kind of dip our toe back into the, yes, um, the world of, uh, um, and, th and that's going to be a work in progress, but we're, we're going to figure that out. But, um, but anyway, so, uh, I, you know, I, I always, I wouldn't recommend a recipe without suggesting you make it, but this in particular, as it gets cold, I promise you make this or any version of this. Um, you know, it's one of those pantry rating kind of a things that if you don't have the exact thing that I use, you can chunk it in there and it'll be, uh, it'll be good stuff. I give it a pantry rating of an 8.5. <laughs> um, seriously though, I want that recipe. I'm going to show that to Dan because that would be a great wedding vegetarian option. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. the, the beef chicken or this, uh, you, you, I mean, you had me at the cauliflower part. That just oh, it's sounds great. It's really like good. Pumpkin it would be and cauliflower. Great seller. They're really good. You know, in the winters, that sounds really great. So, uh, before I get into cocktails, I just had to agree with you with what you said about pumpkin beers. Um, the early American settlers, the colonial settlers, uh, they didn't really eat much pumpkin because they were European. So they were like, what is this, you know, poor person's food? In fact, uh, uh, there was a historian named uh, Robert Beverly Jr. in 1706, and he had said the richer sort generally brew their small beer with malt, while the poorer sort brew beer with molasses, Indian corn malt, and pumpkins. Mm. Cool. And then the current pumpkin ale resurgence, of course, started in the 1980s. Of course, it started in the 1980s. And there was a, a brewery called Buffalo Bills, and he he was adding pumpkin to his ale, trying to like replicate that colonial beer recipe. And he didn't really taste enough until he started adding pumpkin pie spice. Mm. And then it became its all onset of brews. And my first experience um, with a pumpkin ale, you know, we're right over by the uh, Chicago Botanic Gardens. Right. So we were there and it was a fall day. And I mean, it was perfect, as you can imagine, the 
the botanic gardens in this part of the country, you know, just the colors. And we were there with uh, Gail and her husband, Jimmy, and the kids. And uh, the trees were gorgeous. We were sitting at, there's an outdoor patio uh, restaurant, and we're sitting, like, looking at the pond. And I, they had pumpkin beers. And I'm like, what perfect, what more perfect day to do this than outside in order to pumpkin beer in my, you know, my cable knit sweater. And uh, <laughs> if you want to take, like, that perfect, perfect fall experience of the crisp air and you really want to destroy it you should order yourself a crappy pumpkin beer <laughs> and just really screw up your day just i i still have not forgiven myself for that pumpkin beer and well. destroying that day whoever let me whoever ordered it to to serve there whoever let me buy it yep that's no. money you'll never see again. And now, so is it a lager? Is it more like an ale? Is it more like a Guinness? Like what? They, well, there's, there's, well, it can be lagers and ales. It's not usually thick like a Guinness. Okay. I mean, I'm sure somebody does now. I'm sure they do now. Honestly, I don't, after that one, I don't try them. Got it. Got it. One and done. So it, we're not going to do a pumpkin beer today, but I thought we would do a pumpkin liqueur. This is mm. really fun. So now at this time of year, there's like, those flavored vodkas, like even a pumpkin vodka that will come out seasonally. Now, if I see you in the liquor store with that, I'm going to personally knock it out of your hand and I will keep walking with no regret. I don't care who has to clean up an aisle three. If I see you with a bottle of pumpkin, I shouldn't even say this because now Donna Stevenson's going to turn up on my doorstep with chocolate covered pretzels and pumpkin vodka. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so in order to make a pumpkin liqueur, you're going to make a simple syrup of water and white sugar and brown sugar and cinnamon cloves, nutmeg, and then you're going to add canned pumpkin puree. You're going to strain it and you're going to add some rum, rum and pumpkin. Mm. Is, and I love, rather than vodka, rum is going to add a, 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 the sugary flavor sure. and the, the depth of flavor that you're not going to get at all with vodka. And you have and the opportunity to call it a, a, a rumkin. Oh, see, that is so stupid. And I might even say that though. <laughs> Vanilla rumpkin. You'll never forget it. You'll never yeah, forget right. it. You're right. Um, so once you do this, it, it you don't have to make it sit for a rest for a long time. You can bottle it up. It's kind of tasty on the rocks, like maybe during the holidays around the table with pie, a little after dinner on the rocks. But I'm going to suggest that we do a cocktail with it. There's an old cocktail called a Thomas and Jeremiah, uh, which is the way I do it, at least rum and pear cider and raw sugar syrup and amaretto. It's delicious. But in this case, we'll do a version of that and uh, just take the the puree, excuse me, the, uh, the pumpkin liqueur, and we'll add it to some hard cider with maybe a little lemon. I don't think you're going to need much more than that. That just sounds really delicious. It does sound good. Right? The only thing that's hotter than the oven is watching you cook. So as always, if you want to check out these recipes, as I just told you, you should go to our website, butidigestpodcast.com or email us at butidigestpodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook and give us the answer to the movie at But I Digest Podcast. Also Instagram, But I Digest Podcast and Twitter, But I Digest Pod. Also on our website, you'll find a link to Hans's line of spices, as well as a link to download my cocktail book, The New Old Bar, which does contain the elusive Thomas and Jeremiah. Nice. Special thanks, as always, to our web designer, Hewitt Rabel, to our editor, Natalie DeChico. Special music by Corey Goodrich, and our theme music is by Brian Reyes. Hans, you, you have any, any interesting plugs today? Hey, I mentioned right off the top, we talked about PSLs, uh, and now we're going to talk about uh, a PSA for the GTF, because I've got to get in all my acronyms. 
Um, so, JFC. <laughs> sure. So uh, November is Gastric Cancer Awareness Month every year. And, you know, it's one of those things that uh, when you are someone, you know, living with or having lived with a disease, it's always weird that, you know, we, we try to put a, a month. There's a month that we're going to talk yeah. about this thing that is a 24-7 the rest of your life condition. Uh, but that's fine. Whatever whatever it takes to get a little bit of, uh, of a spotlight. But um, as with every November, the Gastric Cancer Foundation, which I've been a part of since its inception, we do a big annual fundraiser while, you know, Gastric Cancer Awareness Month is a thing. And um, stomach cancer gets so little um, research. And it's the, it's the fourth leading cause of cancer deaths worldwide, but it receives less than one half of 1% of all of the U.S. federal cancer research funding. So it's ridiculous. And it's sad that we have to sort of compete with other cancers because they're all serious and they're all deadly. But the reality is we kind of have to, you know, stand up and make a bunch of noise. So since we started the gastric cancer foundation we have granted uh, 3.4 million dollars in uh, research grants to expand and accelerate uh, research in gastric cancer but there is so much more that we need to do and a lot of that comes from um corporate sponsorship but a great deal of what we do comes from you know as, as the uh, public broadcasting says from from listeners like you um so it's so important it, whatever you can give and i'm not kidding if i if it's five dollars I will take it, not me personally, uh, but the uh, the Gastric Cancer Foundation. So we're doing a fundraiser right now that's called Commit to a Cure, which was uh, part of our charter. We committed to to curing this thing. Uh, and you can donate right there on gastriccancer.org. And while you're there, you can check out uh, my nutrition series. It's called the Gesundheit Kitchen. Uh, we have a lot of nutritional insights and recipes for the stomach and stomachless alike. Uh, and again, that is gastriccancer.org. So that is my PSA about the GCF uh, while drinking a PSL. Um, right. Yeah. I'm going to go put on some warm, fuzzy socks and finish my my PSL. My PSL. I, next time I might uh, order it, but um, I uh, I wish uh, we could make an unsweetened version of it. But again, I am uh, I'm not too proud to say that this is pretty tasty. Right. It's pretty good stuff. Right. It's a good idea. Are we done here? We are done. Thank you, my friend.